But we have to lift the veil up. We have to open the door. We have to move away from these uh, negative emotions and these false ideas or what we call illusions. Welcome to the Health Quest Podcast, your guide to God's will for your good health. Hello, my name is Dr. Sal. I've been a practicing doctor and surgeon for over 30 years, and my goal for each episode is that you'll be able to have your mind transformed to God's will for your good health and affect the way you eat and the way you live. If you're new here, we release a new episode every week, and if you enjoy the content, would you leave us a review? It really helps our ratings and allows us to reach more people in helping them as well. Thank you for your support. On today's episode, we'll be talking about how thinking like children can help improve your health. Let's dive right in on today's Health Quest. Be ye like children to enter heaven. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 18, verse 3 through 7. The disciples asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus' response was, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4, therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 5, and whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. Verse 6 and 7 but if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. Remember in our previous podcast, we were talking about uh, children from the time they're born to, let's say, age five, and approximately 70% of their calories are used to sustain brain development and function. Now, we see this in early childhood because children really never think. They're continuously conscious, conscious learning and developing these neural networks that we had talked about before in the previous podcast. They don't have an opinion. They don't place judgment. They're like aliens that are coming in from out of space. Really, they're coming from heaven. And they're like Adam and Eve, which they were loving and had trusting hearts. So we parents, teachers, friends, schools, churches, we bring them to sin. Now, what do I mean by that? What is sin? Not only actions, but our thoughts. By telling a child that they're valueless, worthless, incompetent, that they'll never make it. Remember we talked about this in the previous podcast where just three seconds and saying that to a child can have an impact for the rest of their life. And we know that by telling them they're great, on the other hand, um, when they're losing is even working counterproductive. And we'll talk about that uh, with being overly protective of children too as well. But also by showing or exhibiting or displaying any kind of ruthlessness, loathsome uh, behaviors, disgusting uh, uh, attitudes such as drinking and smoking, swearing, uh, demeaning others, physical abuse, and even shirking responsibilities. 
These are the things that the children are getting exposed to. And of course, this is what's developing their neural networks. Our thoughts and, and feelings, our mind and emotions, our brain and our heart. This is all part of this idea and philosophy that has an impact not only on our health, but in the world around us, our attitudes, our learned behaviors. They also, as I said, create these neural networks and with repeated uh, visualization on the part of the child, or them hearing this repeatedly, reinforces these neural networks. There's a great movie that I just recently saw that came out not too long ago, and it's called Father Stew. And it stars uh, Mark Wahlberg and Mel Gibson. And it's a wonderful story that exemplifies the ideas and the concepts that we're talking about. How a little boy grows up into being somewhat of a troublemaker because of what he was exposed to at home and then changes his ways. But I'm not going to tell you the ending of the story. I don't want to tell you about the story other than watch that movie because it really gives you a... Uh, a real-life view of the concepts that we're talking about here. So we're the ones that bring sin into the world. We are the ones who bring God's will and heaven on earth as well. So what makes one do what they do? Well, it's our attitudes, our viewpoints, our convictions. And these determine the way we act and how our body responds. Notice what I'm saying here. It determines the way we act, but more so how our body responds. Where did we get these, um, these so-called attitudes and viewpoints and convictions towards, let's say, sex and politics, religion, uh, relationships towards other people, our views on schools and um, institutions from other people in our earlier years? They are not part of our original self. It is all acquired. Where we came from, which is heaven, we came down, just, just watch a child and to watch how they behave. There's no harm that they're trying to do. They're, they're not stating any evil opinions or, or placing judgment on anyone. They're just trying to learn. But we are repeating what we've been taught. So we're li basically living someone else's life. And if it's bad, well, we consider the sin. So we invite sin. Now, what do we mean by that? Are we truly parenting children in a manner that's positive? Or are we framing a, uh, a world for them to look at in a manner that they think that what they're doing, because they're, they're basically repeating and, and doing what you were showing them, making them to believe that that's okay. And as a result of that, we begin to realize that we didn't evolve consciously. So we're doing this unconsciously, and so we're not really thinking about this. And if you've got a parent that starts to do stuff like that, and you may uh, bring that to their attention, or you may even criticize them, uh, and it may be constructive criticism. You know, the that parent might respond by saying, well, this is how my parents raised me, and I'm okay. Um, and are they really, or, or are they going through this without really reviewing or contemplating and revising their ways? Are they sitting down and saying, maybe I should improve my ways of trying to educate my children or trying to have them see things and in the words that they use. Now, 
we, you know, a number of years ago, we used to do things that would say, okay, we're, you know, we're going to give the child a, a timeout as opposed to giving them a spanking. But even with the timeout, we never really sat down with the children and made them think or talk to them and get them through that so that they can understand maybe some of the behaviors and some of the things that are accepted socially or even how to even look at things as well. And so we can be on one side where we, we get a little bit too brash and not review the ways that we're doing things and reflect upon that. But now we can go to the flip side of that and we can talk about the so-called helicopter parents. Uh, parents who are a little bit overly protective and they're hypochondriacs. And these are parents that have that fall within this parody of one who cares. Well, I really care about my child, um, but they really have no idea of child rearing. And again, you know, Jesus's words, they know not what they do. And these are parents that the minute they see certain issues with the child, instead of trying to investigate it themselves and use a little common sense, they send these kids to see a therapist. And we'll talk about therapy uh, later on, but eventually they start telling the therapist what, what they're seeing. And sometimes the parents can even conjure up ideas of um, th that would kind of persuade the therapist to think that their child has a certain disorder. And the next thing you know it, um, they make the recommendations to put the child on medications or what I call drugs. Now, again, this is reinforced over and over and over again, and it concretizes these so-called neural networks, and the kids end up growing up with the idea that they really have a disorder. And so they continue the drug use. And then I would go up to them and I say, you don't really need these drugs. And of course, the response from these kids over time is as well, Dr. Sal, you don't understand. But for us and for all mankind to heal, we, we have the power to go beyond and transcend this and become as Christ. Forgive them for they know not what they're doing. The key here is to keep in mind that those thoughts of anger and hatred and fear towards others um, and yourself is what is sin. These are our false gods. These are our idols, this anger, this fear. These are the things, these past aggressions. This is what God wanted us to realize, even in the Ten Commandments, is, is not to serve these idols. And the real key objective is really to forgive them, um, uh, to bless them, and actually just let them go. And God forgives, and so can you. So that's how we become the Christ. When Christ was on the cross and he said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Under the most dire and most physically challenging uh, state, our Lord basically said, forgive them. They know not what they do. Now, um, that's how we basically pick up our bed and move on. That's how we heal. And the, the, the objective is to start loving yourself and start taking care of yourself and work towards your dreams or your purpose in life. We get caught up with these thoughts and these repeated thoughts, as I said in previous podcasts, has an effect on our cells all the way down to the molecules and the atoms. 
And then when I try to explain this, people come up with excuses. But the reality is, is that you are your own unconscious jailer. Why? Because your false self. Remember, you know, the psyche was split in the Garden of Eden. We went from this conscious state of mind like children where we were constantly appreciating and grateful for everything that was around us and learning continuously and interacting uh, with God's miracles here on earth. And all of a sudden, we went the wrong way. And we could discuss this later, but here we had Eve. And of course, I, I see these arguments sometimes. Well, you know, woman brought women, uh, evil into the world and women will argue and say, well, you guys bit from the forbidden fruit just the same. So we, we, we brought this, but what it was, it was a split in the psyche. And so now we're thinking from the lower consciousness or what we now call the false self or the ego. But when we start to challenge that, when we start to say, hey, I don't want to think this way anymore, we come up with these excuses because our false self lives in dread of being dethroned. And it comes up with these weapons. Um, and this is the battlefield in the mind where we start to feel guilty or we feel disloyal of abandoning our current way of life. And that's because we think that our thoughts and attitudes is who we really are, when in essence it really belongs to someone else. And it also uses man's mental laziness, thinking that really nothing exists out there. It's a terrifying nothingness. And so we think and we feel empty. And this becomes disturbing and sometimes puzzling to us. But I say to you, dare to face the emptiness. Stick with the vacancy. Dare to be without a harmful attitude like resentment or self-pity, and particularly self-pity. Why? Because the emptiness will get filled with the truth. And once you experience the truth, we call this an enlightenment, an epiphany, a revelation. And it comes from within because it's within every man. That's, that's what God instilled in our soul. It's there. Christ is there. Christ has always been there. But we have to lift the veil up. We have to open the door. We have to move away from these uh, negative emotions and these false ideas or what we call illusions. And that's how our sins become forgiven. And that's how we live in a state of freedom or liberty. You know, Jesus Christ, when he said in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, when a man finds a treasure, he goes back and he sells everything to get that land where he found that treasure. That treasure's inside of us. That's where Christ lives. That's where God is at. That's the gift of life. The truth now at this point becomes uh, revealed. And as you acquire this insight, you now acquire more. You want more. And as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, verse 28, he who has much acquires or is given more, and he who has little loses it. Don't forget the uh, story of the three servants that uh, Jesus upon answering his disciples, uh, gave the, the story of the three servants and the master, where he gave uh, the one servant five talents, the other one three, and the other one one. Now, those talents can mean anything. It could be some of the talents that you have, but to me, I look at it as like, as long as you have two hands, two feet, you know, your eyes, and you can see, you can hear, and you can speak, those are your talents to go out into the world and make something of it, and make something of yourself by becoming more. 
Um, and we'll go over that too, because the, the more you push yourself with taking on responsibilities, the better you become. And that's how the rich get richer and the poor get poor. You either grow or you regress. In lieu of this, um, the ideas and the concepts of being empty means to let go. Over the years as children, as we start to grow into early adulthood, we're being taught certain things. And it's not maybe a direct teaching, but an indirect teaching by watching other people and what they do and how they interact with other people in the world or how they take care of their jobs. This eventually gets absorbed by the child. And the more of it that they see, the more of these neural networks they develop. And then eventually these become the so-called thought processes that we've been talking about all along. And because they're negative, uh, they're derogatory, they're dark, this is sin. And over time, this is what breaks down the body. This is what eventually leads to disease. This is what leads to those addictions um, that we take to escape all of this hurt, all of this emotional pain. As we start to go along, you know, we, we really want to start talking about obesity over time and, and uh, food addictions and how that starts to impact our, our health. A majority of this revelation comes from getting away or, or throwing away all these negative uh, emotions and negative thoughts and feelings and attitudes. And remember that when Jesus forgave everyone, that he gave us the example and he wants us to be like him. That's what he means by following him. Follow his philosophy. Adapt his philosophy. Make it your own philosophy. Be conscious continuously. That's where he said to be like children. Because he knows children, they don't have these judgments. They don't pass, they don't have opinions. They're just consciously aware of learning more and more and more. This is where you start to get into your purpose, into your job, loving what you do, realizing you're doing it for the glory of God, realizing that you're doing it for uh, your fellow man. As Jesus says, whatever you do for man, you're doing for me. So again, the more we value the truth, we continuously get closer and understand more of the truth. This becomes a positive self-fulfilling cycle. Okay, so again, be like children. Have no opinion. Throw away your garbage uh, that has no value and is profitless. Because as a result of that, now you you start to bring joy. And this we're talking about a self fulfilling joy and contentment. With that, we have a better outlook in life. And by not thinking of uh, the events of, of anger and fear and emptying yourself so that the truth could take over. We have this better outlook, and so we want to eat healthier. Uh, we want to have a better attitude that eventually will improve and alter the way our cells function. This is how we start to resist disease by thinking positive. And it, it's really something that happens uh, in an automatic fashion, the more you think positive, the more you do good for yourself, the more you have a better outlook in life. Being like a child, a child only brings joy. A child, in my opinion, when I take a look at a little child, a two-year-old, that's God on earth. If you think about it, they really are because God doesn't understand time. 
And a child doesn't understand time. It sleeps when it needs to sleep. It eats when it needs to eat. It poops when it needs to poop. And it never thinks twice about, oh, I got poop in my diaper, right? Doesn't have any boundaries. There's no space to a child. The child doesn't say, oh, I can walk out of the house and go out. You know, in the meantime, the mother's chasing the child saying, oh, no, it's raining outside. The child, it, just like God, just it has no boundaries. And in doing so, a child continuously grows and, and tries to absorb all the good in the world. But as we present more and more of the evil, it starts to develop those neural networks. And it by their thinking that that's what they truly are, which they are not, then that's how we get away and stay away from God. And, and I even say this to, to Christians because you might say that I've got Christ in my life, but until you stop those thoughts that just completely are repeated over and over and over again, that's how Satan's starting to come in. And so do away with all that, and you'll see your life change in the way of its health, in the way of your thoughts, and empty yourself again of all that, and the truth will surface. We want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. If you like what we've talked about, please give us a, a good review, and please subscribe to our podcast. In the meantime, this is Dr. Sal. Have a wonderful day, and God bless.